Well, howdy there, folks. It's Heather back with another episode of my novel, Strike Boat, which I am podcasting as an audiobook on Substack. Today is the 20th of January, 2022. Where I'm at today, it is cold and not very sunny and gray, uh, but we are making the best of things, and I'm going to get comfy and get settled, and we'll get started with today's reading. Strike Vote, Chapter 8, Part 2. My guess is he went back to his vehicle behind the dumpster. Lodi turned away from the window, and while he did this, he pulled his t-shirt up a couple inches to draw the weapon from his waistband. He snapped open the chamber to verify that it was loaded and studied the mechanism. Jenna wondered if he'd noticed that she'd been staring at the flash of tan skin at his hip and the line of sculpted muscle underneath. She felt a blush rise to her cheeks. He really was a beautiful man with a beautiful body. She imagined tracing that line of muscle with her fingertip, and the image of herself touching the smoothness of his skin was so real that it was almost palpable. He snapped the weapon closed. The audible metal click jolted Jenna out of that daydream. She watched him tuck the weapon back into the waistband of his jeans, then he held up a chrome key fob. I can't be sure he's in the vehicle because I have his keys. If it was locked, he might not have been able to get back in there. The fob was a sculpted fox head with rubies for eyes. Jenna took it from him, held it in the palm of her hand, and stared at it. I find myself thinking of a dozen random one-liners that I could make about this thing, but instead I'll roll my eyes. Pretty full of of himself, this guy, eh? Lodi smiled, but there was something weary in his eyes. Maybe so, but he's dangerous. We need to prepare ourselves for a fight. He won't give up. He's like a dog with a bone. They don't call him the fox for nothing. Jenna realized he was right. She looked out the window, leaning forward with her hands on the sill. She took a moment to think about the situation. It was just so bloody awful. There they were, strategizing tactical advantages of the municipal building as though it was a war zone. There was a feeling of unreality there, that the fabric of normalcy could unravel this fast. It was shocking. It would be funny if it weren't so desperate, but they didn't have much choice. If the cops weren't going to come, they had to protect themselves. She turned to Mary. Any luck reaching the cops? Mary shook her head. No good. I got the same message you got. Damn. Jenna scooped her hair into a ponytail at the base of her neck, then let it fall. Lodi was standing so close. She wondered if he could smell her shampoo. She could smell his. The scent was something clean and citrusy, and she felt an almost irresistible urge to lean a little closer. She turned her head, and suddenly their faces were only inches apart. She opened her mouth to speak, then closed it again. Get a hold of yourself. It took her greatest effort to keep her face neutral. There was no denying it to herself. There was a pull between them that kept her there, inches away from them, from him. She wondered if he felt it. She sure did. In the periphery, she became aware that the others were retreating away from the two of them, giving them space. She was as alone with Lodi as she could be in the council chambers, with the others clustered in the far corner, looking elsewhere. 
Jenna felt a ripple of something. Was it fear? Her heartbeat quickened, but it didn't feel like fear. She could see the pulse beating in his neck. She saw the quiet watchfulness in his eyes and had to bite her lip and will herself to calm. She looked into his eyes, breathed in the heady scent of him. It would be so easy to lean forward just a few more inches, and there was no denying to herself that she wanted him to kiss her. Jesus, she whispered, what is wrong with me? They were in this crazy, absurd situation, unsafe. She was terrified. She had been all morning, but she was also deeply, intensely attracted to him. And at that moment, it felt like all she could do was be aware of his nearness. She wanted to touch him and badly. Instead, she took a deep breath and sighed. We should make a plan, I guess. She made a move to push past him, but he grabbed her hand to stop her. Wait, he said, and the heat from his hand sent a tingle through her body. I, I'm sorry. I just, I want you to remember this guide you set. You cannot let your guard down. He's dangerous. She felt her fingers tighten on his hand. His touch felt warm and reassuring, but his words had made her angry. Must make him feel like a big man, hey? Hurting women? Christ. I promise I'll protect you. As long as I'm around, I'll die before I let him hurt you. Just like that, the flame of Jenna's anger died out. Why? She said, eyes searching his. You barely know me. Why would you say that? Lodi's face went dark, almost like a shadow had fallen across it. Doucette and I, we have a score to settle. Let's just chalk it up to that, okay? It's not just about you. I owe him payback for what he did, but you got to do your part as well. Don't take chances. Stay in places where you're safe. Don't go running off alone. Don't put yourself in danger. This man is sick. He's out there and he's after you. Hell, he could be in the building even now. You understand? I understand. For just a moment, she allowed herself to lean toward him. Breathe his scent, his air his energy. She whispered the words, thank you. My pleasure. She felt his breath against her neck and closed her eyes. For a moment, she was just a girl enjoying the closeness, closeness of a man she found attractive. But then reluctantly, she turned away toward the others. She needed to get some space from him. He was so fucking sexy. The pull of wanting him was making her crazy. Jay caught Jenna's eye. It dawned on Jenna that Jay had been watching them, Lodi and her, waiting for the timing to be right to come and say something. The thought made her groan inwardly, but she pasted a welcoming smile on her face. Hey, Jay, what's up? My laptop has a crazy long battery life, and even though the power is out, we still have access to the internet through the cellular network. What would you think about a live stream? You know, from in here, in the council chambers, so that we can keep people current on what's happening. Reach more people that way. Get them to take this thing more seriously. Get them off the bruise. Jenna thought about it. Immediately, the benefits of a live stream became obvious. For starters, there would be a recording of the broadcast. Even if this day ended with her and the rest of the evac zone underwater, there would still be a record of what had gone on.
I like it. I could start off with a little update, tell the viewers what happened. What do you think? That's perfect. I can do it through my Facebook account, live stream it. I, no Jay, not yours. I can't ask you to take that risk. It should be mine. You'd be putting a target on your back that would follow you for the rest of your life. I already have a target on mine. Jay stared at her, thoughtful. Jenna could see the war within his mind. She could see that he wanted to insist, that he wanted to protect her, and she loved him for it a little. She reached out, laid a hand on his arm. It has to be me, Jay. I'm sorry. I know that you would do it if I asked you to, but I can't ask you to. Is that cool? It's cool. He looked down, brushed a hand through his hair. I'll go get my laptop. Jenna watched him go, her heart full. It occurred to her that this little group of colleagues were becoming more than just co-workers and acquaintances today. In the space of one morning, they were becoming friends, bonded by the events that were happening. Jay brought back the laptop, sat down, and started tapping away on his keyboard. He pulled up the login screen for Facebook, then pushed back from the desk and stood up, gesturing Jenna forward. She sat, entered her login, then hovered the cursor over the live stream icon. Are we really going to do this? She looked at Jay. He nodded. She looked at the screen for a moment, hesitating. Once she clicked the icon, the feed would go live, and all 360 of her friends would see and hear what she was about to say. She thought briefly about who was in her friends list, her colleagues from the Conservation Authority, old friends from high school and university, her family, her relatives all over the country, her constituents, local politicians from neighboring municipalities and from the provincial and federal levels. A moment of doubt seized her. Was she sure? There was a barrier in front of her, an invisible barrier of societal correctness, one that held her in its sway. If she crossed this line, broke through that barrier, went live and uttered anti-establishment sentiments, she would risk placing herself on the blacklist, ruining her chances for future employment. She'd be risking her career as a credible politician, rendering herself an outsider in the eyes of political colleagues, one who had done the unthinkable, one who had broken the code. On some level, she knew that if she took this plunge, hit the live stream button, started sharing, said what it was she had come to this moment to say, there would be no going back. If by some miracle life continued onward from this moment unchanged and the disaster foretold in the slideshow did not occur, her life would forever be changed by the broadcast. It was like there was a glass wall in front of her. She smiled half sadly. There actually was. It was the computer screen. Orwell was right, she thought to herself. The screen was like an open window one by which not only Big Brother, but the world could see her through. If she took this step, this action, it would be like the world had opened up its gimlet eye and started staring straight at her. If it ended up turning out that the slideshow was not true, she would be ruined politically and professionally. It was a lot to think about. 
She felt a moment of utter, abject terror. It gripped her heart. She swallowed hard a time or two, felt a rock of dread and anxiety slam into her gut. Speaking out in the, into the eye of the webcam was like speaking out to the world, exposing herself as vulnerable. It was an awful feeling. But the slideshow was true. She knew it was. She felt it. There was actually a cabal of rich people, ones who were acting malevolently in bad faith, conducting a dark agenda focused by the few on the oppression of the many, and they had put millions of lives at risk. She looked over at Carrie and Tamara sitting together in one of the plush leather wingbacks that surrounded the boardroom table, the ones the elected council members sat in during official meetings. The teenagers deserved a life. They were so young, so innocent, and today they had been threatened with a gun in the hands of a madman. Their future was threatened. Through no choice of their own, they were going to have to deal with the consequences of what Flag had put into motion, and she owed it to them and all of the other humans who had not had a say in this to speak the words that would make it real for them. It's okay, a voice whispered in Jenna's heart. Do the broadcast. Have courage. A feeling of calm descended on her, even though she had nothing prepared, no remarks written, no speaking notes. For the first time in her career as a mayor, if she made this address to the public, she would do it unscripted. Just speak straight from the heart. It was the bravest thing she had ever done. She closed her eyes. She took a deep breath, thought, please let me say what it is I need to say to reach people, to wake them up, to get them off the bruise, to get them moving out of the evac zone. Please give me the right words. She opened her eyes and clicked the icon. The laptop webcam came on. She saw her face fill the screen. She was live streaming. She exhaled, feeling some of the tension leave her body. She smiled into the camera, then leaned closer. Hello, many of you know me, she said. My name is Jenna Walters, and I'm making this live stream today because I want you to share this message. This morning, I received a copy of a video. If you haven't seen it, you can find it by the hashtag, Get Off the Bruce. We'll put the link below in the comments. The video says that the quakes so that Western Ontario is experiencing today are not from natural causes. They've been caused by the greedy actions of a bunch of corrupt rich people. They've been fracking here, folks, unlawfully, unapologetically, and unauthorized. A group of extremely wealthy people have been fracking around the Great Lakes region. What's happening in Wyerton is just the beginning of it. If you are on the Bruce Peninsula, get off. If you are in southwestern Ontario, get out. Get in your vehicles. Drive. Head to safety. It's going to flood. They've undercut this ground for money, and they don't want you to know about it. They sent a man to kill me, to make me take the video down, to shut me up but I will be leaving this live stream running. If he comes for me, I'll leave it running so that you all can watch what happens. 
I am filming from inside the council chambers of Mount Bridges, Ontario, the land between the Great Lakes, the world's most beautiful freshwater supply. This is no joke. Stay tuned. Share this feed. Evacuate. We'll keep you posted. Save yourselves. She pushed back from the desk, got up, took a look around. She couldn't think of anything more to say at the moment, but she felt better knowing that there was a record of what was occurring. People were watching. Lodi and Wanda were at the window, looking out. The sleek SUV hunkered motionless behind the dumpster, its occupant, if he was in there, out of sight. Mary sat in one of the counselor's wingback chairs. She looked very small and frightened. She looked miserable, and Jenna went to her. Jay walked over to the live-streaming laptop, picked it up, cradled it in his arms like a baby, facing outward. He followed Jenna's movements, keeping her in the frame. She dropped into the chair beside Mary's. Not every day your little girl gets taken hostage, hey, Mare? Tears bloomed in Mary's eyes. She looked at Jenna. It would kill me if I lost her. She's been my whole world for so long. Ever since her dad left, everything I've done has been for her. She's never out of my mind. She's just, she's just my angel. She's my everything. And what happened this morning? Mary broke off, put her hands over her face as the tears fell onto her blazer. Jenna felt a prickle in her throat. She put a hand on Mary's knee, rubbed it as comfortingly as she could. I know. I know, Mare. I keep thinking about that, too. How many kids to Mara's age are on the Bruce? How many babies? What the slideshow says is true. I feel it. She laughed. They're sending thugs to try to stop us, so it has to be. There's so much at stake. If the evac zone floods, it's going to be a disaster the likes of which this country has never seen. Southwestern Ontario, destroyed. Lives lost, Mary. Hundreds of thousands of them. Millions. That's why what we're doing is so important. If they aren't going to warn people, well then I guess it's up to us. Mary looked at her. Jenna could see that she was struggling not to cry. Mary opened her mouth to speak, but nothing came out. There was nothing to say. The situation was overwhelming, hopeless. Mary's shoulders slumped inside her suit. The reinforced tailoring held the fabric up so that she looked for a moment like a little girl dressing up in her mother's two big clothes, and Jenna felt a stab pierce through her heart. This was what they were fighting for, she realized. This, the vulnerable nature of humanity, the fragility of human life. She found herself thinking that everyone, every man, woman, and child among us, had that same very delicate, very vulnerable human core inside. For all of humanity's bluster, we are all just equally breakable if the needs of our bodies are not met. Needs like clean air, fresh water, and food, shelter, love, freedom. Life is a gift. Life and the land that we're given to live it on. And this time they had failed to protect it. That was what Flag had done, she reflected. That was what they were guilty of. 
They had squandered the gift that was life on this earth. They had pillaged that gift to make money, almost as though they were trying to pick up the earth itself in their fist and wring every last drop of its resources from it, transferring those resources to wealth for themselves alone to benefit from. All of this passed through Jenna's mind and then more, and she felt a pang that went down to her bones because that was what was at stake. Forget civil unrest, forget protests, forget corporate greed, forget the recent state of earnest but as of yet fruitless attempts to fight the entrenched doctrines of inequality that made these things possible. If Jenna and her friends didn't triumph, if they did not win their day, then all of that would be lost. The beauty of life, the fragile beauty of humanity, the precious divine light that was every living soul on this planet, so many just washed away with the most precious landmass of all, southwestern Ontario, nestled in the heart of the life-giving fresh water that surrounds it. It felt like a shard of glass had pierced Jenna's heart, but then that shard turned to stone. Not on my watch, she said, rising. She rucked up the sleeves of her blouse to her elbows. Jenna, what? Mary looked at her in confusion. Victor Paul and Debbie Hathaway had been talking together quietly beside them. They drew up short, staring at Jenna, but she had crossed to the window. She could see the black shine of his vehicle, the man who wanted to hurt her, cut her breasts off, murder her womanhood, oppress her, silence her, just like his kind had been doing to hers for millennia. I said, not on my watch. She peered out the window, straining for a glimpse of Doucette. In the background, Jay panned the webcam to follow her. They think they can do this? Just let people die? Well, fuck that. You know why they won't get away with this, Mary? Because someone's going to stop them. You know who? Me. Me, Mary, and you, and Jay, and Lodi here, and Wanda, and Vic and Debbie, and Carrie, and Tamara, all of us here in this building, and everyone watching this live stream. We're going to stop them, because if we don't, no one ever will. We're going to expose them for the filthy, sucking vultures that they are. And if not, we'll die trying, because they can't get away with it. Not this time. She broke off, chest heaving, turned to look at them all. They were staring, eyes wide. She turned back to the window, banged it with her fists, then stuck up her two middle fingers and pounded them both on the glass. You think you can scare me, you shit? You fucked up. You sent the email to the wrong person. You sent it to someone who actually gives a shit, who's willing to fight. So fuck you. She wrapped her knuckles on the window then. Fuck you, she said again. She dropped her hands, leaned on the ledge, lowered her forehead to the glass. Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. Fuck you. Her anger spent, a fiery determination, the likes of which she had never experienced, sprang to life inside her soul. She didn't care if she was going to beat them or not. She would shine a light on all of their shady operations expose them for what they were, and as long as she could do that, it was good enough. 
She closed her eyes, breathing hard, and then Lodi James began to clap. He did it once. Her eyes sprang open. She glared at him, defiant, but a grin was breaking over his face. Yeah, Jenna, he said, clapping again, and this time they all joined him so that the chambers rang with the sound of it. Still filming, Jay panned the laptop around at the circle. Yeah, Jenna, Jay laughed. Fuck them. Wanda came next. She squeezed Jenna's arm. You got my vote, girl. Fuck them. And then they were all laughing, even Carrie and Tamara, who were sharing a look that said grown-ups, am I right? But they had joined in. Fuck them, the two teenagers said in unison. And somehow, things were all right again, at least for a while. Jay turned the laptop toward him peered at the number of viewers, which was exploding. The internet agrees with you, Jenna. The comment section is going crazy. People are tuning in. They're listening. Good. She felt a mantle of something settle over her, and she knew what it was. It was courage. I am a warrior. Behind her, an invisible line stretched back through human history. She felt her four mothers behind her, standing in a line, sending her strength through the eons. It was time. The time to rise was now. She knew this in her bones. There was no turning back. She was ready. There was an army out there waiting to be led, and she was ready to lead them. All right, guys, so I'm going to leave it there for now, and I'll be back tomorrow with Chapter 9 of Strike Boat. I just want to leave today by saying that wherever you are, um, I hope you're hanging in there, um, finding things that bring you joy, staying kind, staying humble, and trying to keep your spirits up. The days are getting longer, nights are getting shorter, summer's coming, No, it seems a long way off. But summer's coming, guys. The warm weather's going to be here. It's going to be planting season, gardening season. It's going to be time for us to walk outside again and feel the fresh air and sunlight on our faces. I can't wait. Take care of yourselves out there and stay free.